As the song says, our God is an awesome God. And that is so true. But sometimes we forget, or sometimes we don't want to think about that reality. But it's so important. Here's Pastor David. Let's get on to our study of the Word today. We've studied the first five verses of Psalm 2 so far. And both of those messages are available on the website or YouTube or wherever you find podcasts if you want to catch up with where we are. Um, don't do it now because we're going to keep going. So, uh, But we already read today the first three verses a little earlier. I'm going to read you verses four and five, which were from last time, so that we can kind of see the progression here. Uh, it, it, this is going to be God's response to those who, they can, who think they can throw off the chains and the fetters. This is how God reacts to people, rulers and kings and nations, peoples who think that they can get rid of his law. This is what it says, Psalm 2, 4 through 5. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Now let's study what the Lord God says to these people. We're going to start in verse 6. It says, this is the Father speaking. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Now Jesus speaking. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. This is a messianic prophecy. Messianic prophecy. That means it's a prophecy about Jesus Christ. This was written a long, long time before Jesus was born of Mary on that day, 2,000 years ago. Christ is a title and a name. In Greek, Christ comes from the word Christos. In Hebrew, Messiah, which you've heard. Mashiach is the Greek word. It means the anointed one. We've already heard in this passage about the anointed one. Against the Lord, against his anointed, Right? This psalm is talking about the coming of the Messiah, the Christ, as king and judge. That's what this is a prophecy about. And first we have the Father's words in verse 6. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. God the Father has set Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, as king on his holy hill of Zion. This is a reference to Jerusalem. This is the city of God's throne. You don't have to wonder, if, you're, if you've ever wondered, why is there so much conflict in the Middle East? Why does everybody seem to hate Jerusalem and the Jewish people, God's chosen people, the Israelites? Why do they face so much adversity? Let me just tell you, because Zion is God's holy hill where he will set his only begotten son, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. That's why. The forces of this world, which are not the forces of flesh and blood that we look at when we see these conflicts. There's something else. As, we, as the word of God reveals to us in Ephesians chapter 6, listen to this. 
6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. These powers, these principalities, they hate the fact that God will set his king on his holy hill of Zion. They hate it. They know it means destruction for them. And so you will continue to see until the king is there, those who will be against Zion, who will be against the Israelites, who will be against Jerusalem. The next verse has the only begotten Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ speaking. So it was the Father. Now Jesus is speaking, saying what the Father has said to him. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my Son, today I have begotten you. Now we know this is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the only begotten Son of God, because we're told clearly in the New Testament that it is. You remember John three sixteen. You guys probably know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Great verse. His only begotten son. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. He was begotten, not created. Let me tell you why that's important. If a person begets a son, that son is of the same nature as that person. Right? We beget what we are. That's why my dad was blessed enough to be as good looking as he is because I'm his son. (laughs) And my son, Ethan... For the same reason, right? My dad begot me, I begot my son. And surprise, surprise, we're all humans. We're of the same nature. We beget what we are. Men and women beget men and women. God the Father begets God the Son. Jesus is God. This is one of the places, that, this is one of the places where we get the clear understanding, what we call theologically, that Jesus is 100% God. 100% God. Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man at the same time. At the same time. God the Father begets God the Son from the beginning. Okay, always God the Father begets God the Son. Listen to this, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. That's the Son of God. Okay, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life And the life was a light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or or overcome it. So we have God the Father who has all authority. God the Father has all authority. In heaven, in earth, everything. God the Father is a seat of authority. Setting Jesus Christ, God the Son, as king on his holy hill. This is an incredibly important thing. There is no one else who this could be said about. No Israelite king, no one else that this psalm could have been written about except for Jesus Christ. He's the only one who fits this description. As we're told, in several places in the New Testament, Acts 13, 33, Hebrews 1, 1 through 5, and Hebrews 5, 5. I'm gonna read them. Acts 13, 33. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, and that he has raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm. You are my son, today I have begotten you. Hebrews 1, 1 through 5. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, 
incredibly important, and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. The son, uh, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Same verse. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Hebrews 5.5. 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself, to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. This verse shows up a lot because it's about Jesus and because it's fulfilled in Jesus. So it is Jesus Christ, the king who God the Father is making king. Next verse, Psalm 2.8. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. God the Father, again, is over all things. And Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, submits himself to the will of the Father. We saw this clearly, regularly. If you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read the life of Jesus, what you see is continuously, continuously, continuously. Jesus submits himself to the Father. I do the Father's will, right? I speak the things the Father tells me. He's always submitting himself to the Father as his only begotten Son, because the Father has the authority. And here, the Father is granting to him the Father's authority. He's telling the Son, in whom he is well-pleased, as we also know from the Scripture, to ask for the nations and for the ends of the earth as his inheritance. Ask me. There are a couple things here. One, so we need to understand something about Jesus. Jesus is not only our friend, which he is and our wonderful counselor, which he is, and so many other things. But here's the other thing. He is on the throne. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He has power to judge the world, and he will judge the world. You have to understand that. You have to know that. It's right here in the scripture. The other thing I want us to think about in this particular verse is that as God's children, not as his only begotten children, as his created children, who he loves, who he loved so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, who he loved so much that he was willing to be God with us, Emmanuel, and come and be a man and be treated horribly and die for us and rise again. That's how much he loves us. He also wants us to ask him for our inheritance. He loves to have us ask him and come to him. He wants to us, us to ask him for the things he desires to give us. Things like, I don't know, eternal life, which is kind of high on the list for me. We're to ask him help in time of need. Worthwhile kingdom work, healing mentally, physically, spiritually, intimacy of love and relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Ask him. I want my children to ask me for things. I really, really do. I want to give them things. And I want them to ask me. I want them to ask me to spend loving, special, intimate time with them. Because I desire to give that to them. I want them to ask me for help when they need it. I want them to ask me for gifts that will help them become more the people that God created them to be, that will help prepare them to meet Jesus Christ. I want them to ask me that I might give it to them. 
I want them to grow, to become fully themselves, better men and women. And I want them to ask. And our Father wants us to ask him. As he has his only begotten son, ask for his inheritance. Now, as my children grow and mature, their requests grow and mature. When they were very little, they mostly just asked for ice cream or to stay up later or for a Nintendo or whatever, right? Those were the requests. They're relatively, they're the requests of young children. As they grow older, they've been asking for more mature things. This is like us. As we grow in Christ, we go from asking for less mature to asking for more mature. As we grow in him, we know his will more Remember what Jesus said this is Matthew 7, 7 through 12. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will, give, will he give him a serpent? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Ask. He's gonna give it. As the only begotten Son of the Father asks for the nations and the ends of the earth as his inheritance, you, we, may ask God for our godly desires, godly desires, And he hears us and gives generously to us because our godly desires are the only things that we ought to get. You shouldn't want desires that aren't godly desires. We don't ask for wealth and power and lusts, but for the things of a kingdom life. That's what we ask for. Spiritual and physical protection, forgiveness of sin. He tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We get to ask him and he will forgive us without us having had to pay the price. We can ask for so much, for a strong church, for a powerful witness, for miracles, for his power to be shown to those who he's drawing to himself, for the salvation of the world, of our friends, of our families, of those in our neighborhoods, of those at our work. We can ask for patience and self-control. Those aren't always as popular. And contentment and joy even in the face of trials. We can ask for these things, and he will give them. Ask for passion. Passion for your love for Jesus Christ. He is a good father. He is a good father who gives us what we ask for when we ask according to his will. And we should desire to know him more and more, that we might know his will more and more, that we might know more and more what to ask for, that he might give us all of those things. Because when you know his will, his will is for your good. When you ask for those things, you get them, and it's good. Not your will, but his. As Jesus said, not not my will, but thy will be done. We want to love him. We want to know him. We want to know his will. Psalm 2.9. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. This is going to be the end of those who we studied about in the beginning of this chapter of Psalms, the beginning of this passage. Those who in verse 2-3 said, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. The king is coming to judge the world. We know from prophecy, from revelation, other prophecies in the Bible, that Jesus will come after the tribulation and reign for a thousand years. 
and he will rule them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like pottery. All that before the end comes and all things are made new. Those who set themselves against God, those who refuse to live by his good law, will be broken and dashed and scattered. That's the judgment. This is a warning to all of humanity. It's a warning. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. We cannot set ourselves up against God and come out okay on the other side. If you're wondering, we cannot set ourselves up against God and go with our own will and our own way and break the chains of his law and his morality and what he's revealed to us in his word and expect to come out on the other side okay. We're told directly right here, that's not happening. As C.S. Lewis says of Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia, he is not a tame lion. Lions have teeth. We need to let the world know the penalty for rebellion against our good God. I want that to sink in for a second because that's who we are. We are his church. We have been chosen and set apart by God as his church, the body of Christ, to let the world know in the power of the Holy Spirit that God is coming, that Jesus Christ is coming to judge the world. That is our job. You might not think it's fun. I don't care. It's what he said. It's truth. When you keep it from people, you're not loving them, you're hating them. Jesus Christ is coming to judge the world. All of those who have set themselves against God, who do not call Jesus Lord, are going to be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel, like a clay pot thrown on the ground. That's it. Death is coming to those who will not submit to Jesus Christ. There really are consequences, and the folks we know that don't know Jesus need to. And if today's episode has made you realize that you need a Savior, don't let another minute go by without getting right with God. Simply ask Jesus to forgive your sins, be your Lord and Savior, and He will. And if we can help, call us at 360-885-9000. We'd love to help you find life. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure and check out Part 2 for much more here on Contemplate.